What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, interviews, and so much more. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Can't say the same for my kid that's upstairs, but, uh, you know, he's, he's having a rough night. He needs to go to sleep. Don't you have some square bob you can make him watch? Uh, no, it doesn't really work like that when you're trying to put him to bed. That's that's kind of a way to power them back up. Oh, okay. It's like trying to turn something off by changing the batteries. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, obviously, that shows my lack of uh, knowledge on kids since I don't have any. You're probably better off. Yes. Yes, I am. It would be irresponsible of me to just be drinking right now if I had a screaming child in the background. <laughs> what kind of a... Yeah. The only reason I'm not drinking right now is because I have a cold or a sinus infection, so... Fair enough. Your sinuses aside, the guest this episode is uh, Amy Shredo. She is a publicist that we deal with her uh, over at Adam Splitter PR. She has become basically uh, someone I deal with every single day. Uh, a lot of the interviews that happen on this show are because of her, uh, me and her emailing and her approving of my requests uh, to get some of her clients, and uh, we are forever thankful for that. This was done while we were at Sonic Temple Festival. This is the last episode of the Sonic Temple Festival uh, stuff that we're going to put out. Uh, it was really great getting to sit down and talk to someone more behind the scenes i think uh anybody who is fascinated by the behind the scenes in the music industry i think you're gonna find this chat pretty interesting um as far as you know like amy you started off as a writer uh worked for roadrunner records in the the like prime of roadrunner records um started her own publicity firm man uh, has bands like kill switch engage and all the remains and just a ton of other people, great, great clients uh, on her roster. And it was really great just to kind of pick her brain a little bit and kind of see how she got in the industry and what it's like, you know, to be a woman in the music industry. Yeah, I'd imagine a lot of the shit that she puts up with is uh, pretty off the wall. If I had if I just had to imagine, I mean, it was funny, like my wife was and you'll hear us talking at her and about her. Um, she was literally sitting across from the two of us while we were doing this. But you know, I see a lot of my wife and Amy, um, and the fact that, you know, she, she puts up with a lot of shit, but doesn't deter her from getting her job done. It doesn't, you know, she just busts her ass and she is unapologetically who she is. And I think that's why I really like my interactions with her and, and dealing with her because she's no bullshit. And, you know, if you don't get it, you know, sometimes she'll just be like, yeah, no, that band's not doing press or, you know, they're not, you're not going to be able to do an interview. And you're just like, okay. That's the thing is like we have built up a nice working relationship with people like Amy, people like Selena, who was uh, Danny Wimmer Presents like publicity team. Uh, I wanted to get her on and kind of do a women of the Danny Wimmer uh, Festival Presents kind of thing. But uh, that didn't happen yet. But I think uh, a thing that I enjoy having is, is a little bit of diversity, which is not a really, really, really old wooden chip uh, and is one of those things where <laughs> that uh, – you know, having women on the podcast, I think, is great. It, it offers a completely different perspective on whatever we end up talking about that obviously Dan and I uh, are not able to talk about. And I think it also, especially in this case, we're giving people a glimpse into a completely different facet of the music industry that maybe someone might be really good for but doesn't know that that part exists and wants to work in the music industry but hasn't found their footing yet. Yeah, absolutely. I, I to, to me, I think it's just a testament to heart. Like, it's a hard work story. Oh my god! Yeah, you know, like just I mean, just literally the amount of shit that you have to listen to and go through, and you know, and still be like a hundred percent on the team, and you know, that that that's all stuff where you know I, I think I've said before that like I just would be throwing fuck yous left and right and quit the industry, and you know, and so like really just <laughs> just seeing uh, 
j- just seeing that hard work and dedication and, and, you know, like really taking your job seriously and actually making it a job. Whereas I think a lot of people, whenever we start off in this industry are just, uh, hobbyists. Oh yeah. Most, <laughs> most definitely. This is, this is still a hobby, uh, for both you and I. I mean, it's getting, it's getting to feel like a job, which is great. You know, um, it adds more, prof- but I think a lot of people, when you spend years doing a hobby for some people, I don't think it, it translates well to payroll. Right. You see, you see that definitely in in bands that that get signed and get popular and stuff. Um, so to think of it as, as somebody that that's part of the part of the publicity team is, or or in a lot of cases, is the entire publicity team. You know, to to see that it's just no. I mean, I I got nothing but respect. Yeah, I think it's uh, it was really cool, and then, and then, you know, I know there was no video of this, but you know, something that was a big takeaway for me too in being in the media area at Sonnet Temple was seeing how many women actually were involved in almost every all the different media outlets, all the different photographers. Like I would say honestly, I know around me there was there was a, a group of women directly in front of me that were shooting for something. I, I don't I couldn't see their uh their little placard thing. Um for iHeartRadio there was a dude and a woman. Like almost everybody had at least one woman on their team uh doing something, whether it was the interviews, whether it was filming, whether it was photography, whatever it happened to be. Uh and I thought it was really cool. Uh, and I think it like I said, really speaks to the fact that, you know, everyone thinks of the music industry kind of as a very male dominated thing. And I think it's mainly because of a lot of the artists themselves. But I think especially when you look at, you know, a lot of the rock and metal stuff, you're starting to see women getting into these roles of TMs and publicists and and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's so fucking smart because you know what? I'm going to be completely honest. Almost every dude I know for the most part, is kind of lazy and not very organized. <laughs> and so what? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> and uh I can definitely say a lot of my organizational things that I've done for this podcast to kind of make it make sense and streamline it are things that my wife has taught me to do because that's what she does at her job. And so it just kind of goes to say goes to show that you know, I think women are just more organized and, and can put up with a lot more bullshit and won't be like Dan just said and be like, "You know what? Well, then fuck you." <laughs> That's my problem, man. Like, I feel like I'm only ever going to make it so far in the industry before I start throwing fuck yous left and right. Well, hopefully you get to a point where uh, you've built up enough of a name either that that is your calling card, like where it's like a... I'm trying to make it my calling card for sure. Let's just say, what was it? Run, Ronnie, Run. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. Where he's just like, someone's like, oh my God, it's Ronnie from TV. And he's like, it'd be really cool if you flip me off. And he goes, oh, okay. And then he's like, well, here, fuck you. That's for next year. And hey, you're t- something like gave him another like shitty kind like a uh, diss or whatever. And he goes, and that's yeah. the following year. And you're just like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be, uh, that, that would definitely be a lifelong dream. Just to be able to walk up to people and people are like, oh man, tell me off. And you're like, all right, well, you have a shitty haircut and fuck you. Right, exactly. Well, without further ado, let's get into uh, my conversation with Amy Shredo of uh, Adam Splitter PR, and we will talk to you all afterwards. the pleasure of sitting across from Amy Shredo here at Sonic Temple Festival 2019 and I wanted to do a ladies of the Sonic Temple Festival and kind of get some of the behind the scenes people involved because you know what they're people too 
and a lot of the shit that happens with us would not be fucking happening if it wasn't for them. I'm glad you see that. I love it. I deal with you almost on a daily basis. I feel yes. like you're you're uh, we're in a committed relationship in yeah. the publicity firm area yeah. aspect. You know, if it was if what we were doing was a relationship, I think we were probably married with a couple of kids. No, no kids. <laughs> well, the interviews would be the, the interviews kids. are the, the kids. Okay. Are the, the bands are the children. <laughs> I'm sure there's more parallels there than I would there like are, to admit to. It's adult uh, babysitting. That's what publicity is. Yeah, most definitely. What uh, you know, looking at something like this, like how far in advance do you have to start prepping for this? For a festival like this, well, here's the thing: is that the Danny Wimmer festivals, which is the who produces these festivals, there's several of them, and they start either in late April and they go through the end of May. So every weekend there's a festival. There's Welcome to Rockville. There used to be Fort Rock. There's Epicenter, which used to be Carolina Rebellion. Then there's Sonic Temple, which used to be Rock on the Range. Then there's Rocklahoma. And then there's Open Air, which is also happening this weekend. Right. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot to manage because there's a lot of media there, but the bands have a different performance time or a different schedule, or they're not doing press at this one, or they're doing a lot of press at this one. So it's a lot of you know, I have to plan in advance. I have to get, sometimes I have 10 bands on one festival, so I have to go to 10 different managers and get 10 different press windows across them. So I have to keep that organized and I have to look, send out a blast to the media and let them know who is potentially available for interviews. Not everybody's available based on commitments or just, they're just not available just because the window is there. You know, it's, it's not like a first come first serve situation. But, um, so yeah, it's like, there's different layers, different levels, and not everybody has the same way of doing things. So it does take a lot of planning. Like usually I need two weeks you know, for each one of them, but I don't always get that. And how much of all that planning that you do leading up to this just gets shot right in the ass? All the time. The oh yeah, there are sometimes you'd have a full uh, plate of press and it gets canceled because a band is late or there was an accident getting here and they are getting here late or something happened with somebody's voice and they want to save their voice so they cancel all their press. So yeah, it's like, Sometimes a lot of the work that you do, you do doesn't even yield a, a result, like an interview result, but you still put all the effort into it. So I say it's like you can, you know, you lead the horse to water, and if it, you know, they drink great, but sometimes life happens and it, the interview doesn't happen. So something I find kind of interesting about what you do is thinking about, you know, in the music industry, there's there's many facets to being in the music industry. Whether you're a performer, you know, the roles of being a tech, a tour manager, a sound engineer press, publicity, management, so on and so forth. How did you end up getting into doing this? Publicity? Yeah. Um, well, when I was in college, I used to write about music. I used to um, write for a bunch of local magazines. Um, back then, there was a lot of print publications in regional arts and entertainment magazines, because I grew up right outside of Philly. So I used to write for a bunch of local papers, local magazines, just writing music reviews, doing interviews. And then I found out, like, oh, they'll give you tickets to go see the show. And that was all the stuff I was doing. So all my friends in college were, like, going out and getting drunk on Thursday and Fridays. I was going to shows and interviewing bands and doing what I loved. And then that turned into, like, I started writing for, like, more national publications, skateboarding magazines and stuff like that. And then when I got out of college, because I had ran my college radio station, um, I got a job at CMJ, which was a college radio. It was a trade publication, and I was write, editing and writing the metal section. And then I worked there for, like, two and a half years and I loved it because all I did was write about you know bands like Kitty and Stain and all those bands before they blew up and I was seeing them all over Manhattan and it was awesome I loved it it was one of my it was probably my favorite job I've ever had because I just wrote about metal all day and then I 
um, I left there to work at Roadrunner for like 12 to 13 years. I don't know the exact amount. It's around that, I always say. Um, and I worked there. I worked in the press radio department at first, then I switched to the press department. And that was like 2007, and I've been doing that like ever since. I've been doing press since So as someone who has been on my end of things, yes. doing press and so on and so Interviews, forth, yeah. what's, what is something that you were able to take from this side and apply it to what you do on your side now? As a writer, yes, and an editor, because when I was a writer and editor, I already had relationships with writers and editors um, because I wrote for them and I worked for them. So I already went into it having those relationships, but I also knew as a writer how I like to be pitched. So I tried to pitch outlets the way I knew what worked for me. You know, oh, a cool thing about somebody, you know, I remember a, a publicist had pitched me on this band Scissor Fight, and they're like, oh, the guys in the band are the commercial fishermen, and that's the most dangerous profession in America. And I was like, well, that'd be interesting to hear what, like how the parallels are there, or what's like the craziest story to anybody ever fall overboard in the ocean, and what that's like. So I just knew what I liked, how I like to be pitched, so I tried to apply that, and how I reach out to people. And I've had publicists like not write back to me, or write me an email and just write pass, not even thanks for your request, but pass. I always try to say thanks for your request, but we're not able to accommodate. You know, I've had people that write pass, no, you know, and I know what I didn't like and I thought was kind of, so I try not to apply that. But like I said to you earlier, I write really short emails because I deal with such volume and I never want people to think I'm rude. I'm just like, I got to get through these emails. So sometimes I cut out small talk just for the uh, sake of getting it done. With the fact that you are I'm not going to say one of the few, but the fact that you do put forth the effort into taking the time to acknowledge everything that you get that comes Yeah, I really do. Your, Even your stuff email. where I have to say no, and I know it's a flat no, I still try to, I still think people deserve the right to get a response. But the fact that you take the time to do that, is it kind of disheartening to still get shitty replies back to people oh, yeah. thinking you're being yeah. rude or whatever? Yeah, especially when people are just like, you know, sometimes you have to be the bad cop and it's part of the job, you know, and it's I don't get offended by it, but sometimes I realize people don't realize that. I try not to get annoyed by it, but it does get annoying sometimes because it's like, you know, I'm not just saying no to say no. I, ha I have, just like you have a boss and you have a boss, everybody has a boss, and I have a list of, you know, criteria that I, for each band has their criteria for what they'll do for press, so. Out of curiosity, since you deal in predominantly metal and hard rock artists and stuff like that and working at Roadrunner and so forth, probably at the pinnacle of Roadrunner really being yeah. the predominant metal oh, label. Oh, yeah, to the 2000s, it was the best place in the world to work. Did you... I often wonder, because, like, you know, I, I'll put it this way. So my wife and I went out to L.A. to go see uh, 18 Visions. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the Roxy last year. Um, oh, my goodness. How great was James Hart? <laughs> it was great. We got to do a quick little chat with him while I was out there. He's awesome. He has the best hair. Yes. Well, of course, he should. <laughs> um, but it was one of those things where, you know, we, we had never been to the Roxy. We'd never been out to L.A. So we get in, and I don't even remember who was playing, but, like, if you've been to the rocks, you know, as soon as you walk in, you basically, you're like right on the floor. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's, you know, chug a chug a breakdown part. People are karate, like fighting air ninjas and shit. And at first, like I was... Crowd killing. Uh, not quite yet. Um, but I was at the point where at first I was like, oh, fuck, like, where's my wife? Like, I got to like make sure like she's okay. But then I had this like, not an epiphany, but I was just like, she has been to probably as many shows for as long as I've been going to. I don't need to watch out for her because she can take out. care of herself. She can probably kick ass. You know and you can kick it was ass. one of those things, like, I felt this sense of, like, community, even though we're kind of in a violent environment. Yeah. And was one of those things where I know metal and hardcore and all that is pretty inclusive, but it can also be very segregated oh, by yeah. gender and so sure. forth. 
And so I kind of have wondered from your aspect of being in, on the business side of things, do you encounter a lot more of that or even less than maybe being more of just an attendee or fan? It, yeah, I used to get this question like a lot and I would say in the past, like there are times when like I'm backstage here to get a job done. I'm here to make sure that bands do their press and that the press is, talks to the bands and is respectful and they're respectful to each other and they take care of each other and do what they're supposed to do. And though I've you know, had times where I've been trying to get you know, I have the right proper credential to get backstage to do something and I've had a security be like, no, no. And I'm like, I'm not here to fuck somebody. I'm not here to chase somebody. I'm here to get a job done. Like when I got dropped off here today, the Lyft driver was awesome, but he had to go like 10 minutes out of his way to drop me off. And I said, dude, I'm here to work. Like, can I just get dropped off a little closer? Can he, can the, so I said to the security law in the lot, I'm like, can I get like, I'm here to work all day. It's a Saturday and it's a great job and I love it, but it's also an 18 hour Saturday where I'm working. And like to have to walk, 10 minutes and I'm going to sweat my ass off by the time I get there and possibly be late, which is more important than anything. Can I just get, like, can somebody, you know, golf cart me over here? And it didn't happen, I walked. But whatever, usually that's when people be like, but, you know, it's like, it, I don't encounter it as much as I used to about people thinking, like, you know, you're a female, you know what I mean? Publicity is a largely, predominantly female um, profession. But I don't see too much of that, no. I love that, you Not know, anymore. Like I see a lot of people who are like, oh, there's not many women in the industry. And I, and Mike, from what I see, it seems like that's completely opposite. It seems like a lot of the, I'm starting to notice more female tour managers. Oh, yeah. More female. In this moment has a female yep. tour manager. Um, I'm trying to think, oh, I have a lot of female tour managers. Yeah, that's, and that's a job, you know, it's an organized job, you know, and oh, it's yeah. like, most of them are males, but yeah, there are. I've seen a lot more women. I was telling my wife because she is a uh, she was a quality assurance manager a, for a pharmaceutical company and just QA. switched uh, positions, uh, basically being project manager. And I was like, you know, if you ever wanted to dip into this, I think you would do really fucking well being a publicist or a tour manager, where yeah. you just have to. You got to be clinical almost about no. it. Like, I have to be hyper organized, or nothing will get done. I manage over fifty bands, yeah. so it's like. I say to people, my calendar, my Google calendar, my iCal is reminders of reminders to remind people to remind them to remind them to get stuff done. It's just all constantly, you know, and like it's funny because like some of my bands, I, I'm tapped into their iCalendar, so I always know what August Burns Red is doing, if they're recording, if they're checking into a hotel, I, I see all that stuff, which is kind of funny, but I like that because I'm super organized that way, but you ha I have to be hyper-organized or nothing will get done. So like I said, I'm always asking questions, I try to like tell me everything in an email and I Plug it in, boom, decks. And so like I said, sometimes it doesn't always leave a lot of room for pleasantries, but I'm like, I'm trying to get to everybody. You know? So you get shit done in a very yeah. prompt manner. I try to be efficient, really. Yeah. Something kind of been switching up a little bit. I know, and my wife who is sitting across from us right now watching this will attest, I'm never not working. I know it. I live it. I like how her eyebrows went up. <laughs> how... How is it for you, having been in the industry for so long, and with technology now changing over the years from being like, oh, I have a laptop now, so I have no, something portable, so now it's literally on you with your phone at all times. This is an electronic handcuff, and it says it in my signature. Yep, and that's, that's the other thing I find funny, yeah. So, I mean, with, with all of that kind of changing and now literally being tethered to your job 24-7 yeah. and getting emails 24-7 and all Always, that, yeah. how do you decompress from your day, and how do you find your time it's really hard it's it's becoming a problem even and I always tell people I'm like Mike uh, on Mike and Mike on ESPN Mike Golick and Mike Greenberg before Mike Greenberg left the show Mike Golick said something once that really resonated with me because I always felt like I couldn't be like oh my god I'm so burnt out from my job because 
I feel so blessed and lucky and privileged, and I do not take it for granted to work within this moment. Coastal to Gage, Slipknot, and Alice Cooper, and and Vane, and August Burns Red, and I prevail. All the great bands that I work with, that I, I feel honored to be the person shepherding their media image and their careers. I, I could not be more blessed, but I, you know, I also worked really hard to get there. However, I used to feel like I couldn't be like, oh my God, I'm exhausted today, and why can't I have five minutes off? I used to always think like, oh my God. Like, because I have an awesome job that I love, I should never be able to just want a vacation. And Mike Greenberg said it. He goes, I sit on the, the air and I talk about sports all day long and I love my job, but that does not mean that I don't deserve a week off and that I can't desire a break because everybody's human and you should be able to take time off. And that's how I, I had to like look at it that way because I feel like, you know, when I was telling people, you know, my friends at home, like that I hang out with, you know, on the weekends outside of work, they're like, oh my God, like you get to go to this awesome festival all weekend. It's gonna be awesome. And I'm like, yes. But it's also work. So it's also like I told you, I'm 28 days without a day off. And I'm not trying to, you know, that's a lot. Everybody, most people get two days off a week. I, I haven't had that in a couple of weeks. And it's fine because I love what I do, but it's also like, I'm taking Friday off next week because I just need some time to just decompress. And while I love, you know, I would probably be doing this if I wasn't working, but when you work all weekend and you, you know, sometimes you need to recharge so that you're always at your best. And we shouldn't have to apologize for that. And for a long time, I feel like I couldn't even feel that way because I felt like, oh my God, I don't have, most people, most of my friends, come home from work and they go to happy hour just like I hate my fucking job and I never feel that way I never feel that way but it's not a job it's a lifestyle and that's what I tell people it's not really just a job because you can't really you know people think you're always plugged in and you know there there are business hours and there are business protocols some people I don't think realize that not trying to dig too much personally into your yeah, life fine. but how how hard is it to because I'm trying got engaged recently right no, me, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> Almost, but, you I've know. seen a lot of engagements recently, so I'm trying it's to remember okay. who that it's is. Okay. It's okay, um, Okay, so, so <laughs> that actually... There's a lot of places to go there, but... That actually works to my point, actually. <laughs> I know my wife and I have been together going on almost 10 years, been married, going on just about three wow. as of December this year. I love her. She has the most expressive face. You're very funny. <laughs> So it's one of those You don't even say anything, and I feel like I can read. Like you, no, yeah. A million things are being said right now. It's yes. cute. Um, but I know for me, like we got together in the the beginning of internet dating, social like app dating and oh, stuff yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, like kettle, kettle, what's it called? Plenty of Fish and all that sure. stuff. Sure, uh, Tinder and all that stuff. <laughs> Tinder. Oh, an app, not no, even a sex. No, no, no. We met oh. at a bar. We met at the other oh, thing. Not on a oh, <laughs> yeah, we met at a bar like, like you're supposed how to. How people should meet. Where you can meet the real person and not the person they curate online, right? And so we've been on plenty of our friends' Tinder dates, and it's always awkward as shit. Um, but the thing that's interesting to me about that is I know there seems to be the, the disconnect on one-on-one -on -one relationships and getting to know people because it's so needed right now, yeah. uh, which is the world we live in now. But I wonder... If I was doing this now when her and I met, this relationship probably wouldn't work right. because I'm trying to make this thing work. Yeah, you're probably so dedicated it's and spending like a so much career, time on it. And right. she's very much in the same thing. Like, we happen to meet each other at the right time where right. We, neither of us were super career-oriented or right. finding the thing that we are going to do. You've been in this industry almost 20 years. Yeah. And it makes wow. me wonder... Yeah. makes me wonder... It's like probably 21 years, is actually. Is it hard to have someone understand what it is you do and not because unfortunately and we talk about this all the time my wife and I that is talk about this all the time where it's like I have to do shit and there's things I'm trying to do and it's not because I don't love you but it's just this is kind of the thing and there's that honesty in that 
but I wonder, I could see it being the opposite, where people find that as a huge turnoff, and it's like, you don't love me, or you don't want to be with me because it's career first, or these things first, and I'm going to be second fiddle. Do you find that that's what happens with that it becomes difficult to have like difficult for have somebody that understands what your job is yeah it does become that because for so many years i was super career motivated i was like you know i always put my career first building a business you know all the time i would um when i worked at roadrunner and did radio i always say on the weekends you know they would send me up and down the east coast or up in the midwest to cover you know things that the bands were doing and cover meet and greets and cover radio cover ozfest and mayhem and Warcher and I loved doing it because I was like, oh, I was young, you know what I mean? I was in my 20s. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go out to the Midwest and cover all the Slipknot meet and greets for three days. Sure, I love it. And I did. I loved every minute of it. But then, you know, it also gave way to most of the people that I dated had to work in the music business on some level because A, they understood it and B, that was who you're around all the time. Not always some of the best decisions, but um, that's how it happened because it's really hard. Like sometimes even hanging out with a friend and I'll be like, hold on one second, I got to take this. And they're like, man, you don't get a break, do you? And I don't. Like, it's like somebody's always texting me about something or emailing, and it's fine. You know what I mean? I don't really set a lot of boundaries. That's, that's on me. But, you know, I, you know, I've quoted this a couple times. You know, it's Oasis saying, don't put your hands in the life of a rock and roll band. And I've done that for much of my adult life. You know, my, I, they're like my children where I'm like, you know, if anybody says anything negative, I'm like, whoa, 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 I got to get this corrected. I have a lot of artists where there's negative information that's not correct put out there. And I take it as a personal, like, crusade to make sure that that is corrected and, and fixed. And, you know, but it also does sometimes, you know, if I'm out on a date or something and I have to take an email or a text, people are like, what? So mo- <laughs> that's something going on. But most people, like, most of the, you know, I have dated people who I think really were into the fact that, like, I had a sexy job where I was able to be like, where I'm telling Slipknot, come on, guys, we got to go. I got the clipboard and the headset where I'm like, guys, come on, you get over here. You go, all the stuff I've been doing these past couple days. I've had people who are like, love the music that are like, think that's the awesomest thing in the world, too. And it is. Kind of in wrapping up, a, re- yeah. a weird question I just thought of, because you would have been at Roadrunner when Slipknot, the identities weren't known. No, they were, yeah, because I worked Stone Sour when... Well, okay, all right, I was going to say, at least the faces hadn't been seen. Well, Corey Taylor's had, yeah, Corey Taylor and Jim had been seen, and Joey, too, but Corey and Jim had been seen, yes, because of uh, Stone Sour. Well, I was just trying to, well, yeah, I was, was trying 2002. to... I was trying to think of how interesting of a job to keep the secrets... Oh, yeah, well, the identity, like the, the I have faces. so many awesome, awesome Slipknot stories that I don't tell. I should probably put them in a book. But there have been some pretty amazing experiences that I've had with them. Just through ups and downs, you know, when Paul Gray passed away, you know, I went out to, to Iowa to just be the company's ambassador and just the company, re- like, just represent Roadrunner at that time. And I was there as their friend and as part of their family to just support them with whatever they needed. And truly the most difficult professional two days of my entire life because I, somebody I cared about died and people I loved lost their brother and that was Im- immensely painful to watch and uh, you know seriously I, I don't think I'll ever have a harder work day than that but uh, um, a lot of crazy things have happened with I, Killswitch and Slipknot just great and Machine Head great stories really great mem- some of the best memories of my adult life were with things that happened at these kind of festivals or shows or just you know but it's um Sometimes when you have to kind of, like, things are going on or you're doing crisis management PR, you sometimes have to, you know, make sure that the artist is protected and their reputation is protected. I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's the black coffee guys. Yeah, it looks they're, like it. They're uh, they super have, rambunctious during they the are. press run, which is awesome. 
I think I just saw that, or I think Metal Nexus broke that they got signed recently. Oh, right, okay. Um, I like this microphone. <laughs> Amazon deal. I like it. <laughs> um, I feel like I should be like, come on down. Yes, I need the long, like, dick mic. Yeah, you need the long, yeah, that's yeah. right. I don't the one that, like, called, the Bob Barker mic yeah, yeah, was, like, yeah. down here, but yeah. it was, like, long. It's, it looks like, like a pointer. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's uh, very uh, chauvinistic. Cause yeah, just go like that, yeah. You're basically pointing your Tap dick at someone's it. face. Yes, that's what it looks like. <laughs> the Bob Barker dick, Bob Barker dick microphone. Uh, what is what is the rest of 2019 hold for you? Oh my gosh, 2019 work wise, um, we have a lot of great records that are going to be coming out this year. Some really awesome releases that are planned. Uh, with some of our really our biggest bands, we're working with Skillet in this moment, Killswitch Engage. Um, we just had I Prevail came out, so that's a big year for them. Um, what's up? Yeah, that yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And then August Burns Red, um, who are amazing. Uh, they're going to be doing their anniversary tour that's coming up in the summer, which is super awesome. They're the greatest guys. I really, seriously, every time, I'm, every time they send me an email or they ask me to do something, I'm like, I love them. It's just like they just inspire it. You know, same thing with Killswitch. They're just great, great human beings. Um, I work with Alice Cooper, and he's always on the road, and he is at 70 years old, a true consummate professional who could teach every single band performing at the festival. He could teach them a thing or two about professionalism and just going the distance and being an originator and he really is he's an amazing amazing artist and i work with his other band the hollywood vampires with johnny depp um but a lot of great stuff we have coming you know i work with trivium hopefully they're working on some new music too yep just dropped a song yesterday so they're matt's always you know he's in dad mode right now <laughs> but and uh i already know who the answer to who you were looking forward to seeing this weekend was because they just played yes Gojira, who are... I guess like, they got burned, looks like. Yes, yeah, something... Oh, my God. It looked like the wind kicked in at the I wrong know. time. I know, and then I was out it. there just listening to Vacuity, and I was like, there's not a more perfect metal song. Like, every time I listen to that, cleanse. It's like a hate breed song. Oh, yeah. Well, everything that you feel negative about just gets... You play with... It's like gets red out. I would say it's like Visine. Um, but I'm very excited to see... Now, the next couple of bands are going to crush, because it's going to be in this moment, and then i got to go see Killswitch, and then I'm coming back to see a Lamb of God. And it's going to be completely crushing. I really need a Lamb of God show tonight. I haven't seen him in a little bit. Oh, my God. I haven't seen him in probably maybe a year and a half, two years. And I love Mark Morton. I also work with him on his solo record. And he is an amazing Mark from Lamb of God. No, I, as you were saying that, I was like, why have I been dealing with John Freeman on that? Well, we partner on, on okay. uh, Spy for Ourselves. That's why. But <laughs> uh, Mark Morton is an amazing human being, a sweetheart, a total Southern gentleman. And I adore him. And I love Lamb of God. I love Randy. I love everybody in that band. And I cannot wait for them to crush it tonight. And Killswitch, of course, they're going to crush it. I had one question, and I, like, totally threw it away. It. I know. It happens. It happens. Use it or lose it, right? Well, uh, actually, here it is. I'm going to officially, on the record, apologize for uh, your, your PR nightmare day of uh, the Killswitch right. thing. But you know what? We're I will say. That. I know. But you know what? That helped start turning the corner for me. So it's like well, I'm, I'm really bummed that it came at the expense of a lot of problems for a lot of people but on the flip side of that i think it was i think i actually well, said it, it, it's like to put it in context it was, you know sometimes when you don't go through the right channel like it can create like i need to know about things because i'm usually the last line of defense on them and when it kind of gets done like around me it, then it creates a hassle for me because you don't know that i could be working on a ton of other things you know what i mean the involving the band doing stuff so it was a, lear a learning curve and it didn't stop us from becoming friends and working together, right? No, not at all. Thank you very much for taking the time. This yeah, no, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. So that was my conversation with Amy Shredo of Adam Splitter PR and just an all-around awesome person. Dan couldn't be there, but, uh, 
You know, I, I feel like your ears would have perked up around the, the whole uh, working for Roadrunner in the early 2000s. That definitely would have been really cool. I, I just want to see the look on our Roadrunner employee's face the first time their Glassjaw album dropped. <laughs> I say the first time. The, the, the Glassjaw album didn't drop a second time. It just dropped that one time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> on Roadrunner anyway. Right. Uh, the next one was Warner Brothers. But yeah, no, dude, that would have been awesome. I mean, you, you had you had everybody back then. I mean, you, I know. you had pretty much pretty much all the new metal bands that I cared about, you know, um, and then, you know, to, to watch it transition into metalcore, dude, that would have been like porn for me. <laughs> I think I can find that link on Pornhub somewhere. Dan's uh, fantasy of working for Roadrunner from like 2002 to, you know, 2006, seven. Yeah, check it out, uh, you know, pornhub.com slash brutally speaking. I don't know what's <laughs> going to show up when you type that in, but give it a try. I think it's more like brutally beating. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on that. I mean, let me look at my my bookmarks here. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But, uh, no, it was uh, was really cool. And, you know, something, too, that, you know, I've been hitting on a lot, and I don't know if people actually enjoy this question. Uh, In editing some of the episodes, um, I know it's something I've hit on a lot with a lot of people. But, you know, like, asking Amy, like, does your job, because of how 24-7 it really is, has it affected your personal life? Like, as far as, like, a dating kind of thing. Because it's like... I mean, Dan, think about this. Like, you and I basically do podcasts quite a bit. I think between, like, you doing this in discography discussion and then how much time I actually spend doing all the shit I do for this podcast, if if our why, if we were to be dating or have just met our now wives, there's no fucking way they would stay with us. God, no. No way. No way in hell. And so to think about that, like, of being like, okay, so, like, like Amy right now is doing, uh, has spent the last two days going around, like, New York and so forth uh, with the Killswitch guys doing press for their upcoming album and so forth. But it means, like, can you imagine, like, just being like, okay, so she did, I think in the interview she said she was working 28 days straight and then was taking, like, a week off, maybe, and then basically was traveling to go do her job and it's like can you imagine being a partner with someone like that where it's like okay i won't see you for 28 days i got a week with you and then you're immediately leaving to go back to work yeah that's yeah dude the burnout would be so strong like i get burned out when we do like two episodes in one night you know what i mean (laughs) to just imagine to imagine just spending days you know doing your job like that i i couldn't do it I mean, I have done it, and but it's it's been for less fun things. I think that's the only saving grace that if you go into it with the right mindset, you and you think of it as fun and you enjoy it. I think, I think you might. It's kind of like a life hack. It's definitely one that I haven't figured out yet. So yeah, I know I'm definitely dealing with a little bit of fatigue from Sonic Temple. I, I guess the thing that no one tells you when you go prepare for these festival things, like there's the what month or so the prep we did before it. There is the just blitzkrieg of a weekend where you're just being bombarded with everything of trying to go see bands, getting interviews, prepping for interviews, walking all over the fucking place, and then sleeping, (laughs) and then getting up and doing it all again three days in a row, and then the travel, and then, you know, right back into working, and then editing everything, and then it's just like, I think Sonic Temple Festival has honestly lasted almost three months for me. Yeah, you've been at it for a while. But it's a it's a labor of love, and I think that's uh, definitely the thing I, I want to I think comes across in this interview with Amy is that you know we anybody who does this and who wants to make a go of this you don't you understand the sacrifices that are going to have to be made in your personal life, and I think that uh, it speaks to the character of the person that's willing to do that and understand that about themselves, but also the sacrifices they make for so many other people, whether it be, you know, from her to us, you know, getting interviews lined up and sacrificing part of her day to, to, you know, align that or, 
you know, dealing with the band stuff and all that kind of stuff. I, I just don't know that people actually realize how much a publicist does for so many people. Um, so I don't know. It's a, uh, it's pretty, it's a pretty eye opening thing. And I, and I just wanted to say and take the time to say thanks uh, again to Amy for, for being so open and honest about, you know, everything I asked. Cause she definitely <laughs> didn't have to be. Yeah. Agreed. A hundred percent did a hell of a job. Yeah, we're going to kind of keep this one uh, to the point like the interview was. Uh, if you would like to keep up with uh, Amy, well, you can follow Adam Splitter on Instagram at Adam Splitter PR. Uh, if you would like to follow her on Twitter, I don't know if she wants me to have you follow her on Twitter, but uh, you can find her at LRGRRL666 on Twitter. Um, I guess if you follow her, tell her that, you know, we sent you, but don't be a fucking creepy asshole. <laughs> yeah, please don't. And, uh,. And if you are, don't mention us. Yeah, please. Yeah, just uh, say you're on behalf of yourself. Um, and on top of that, if you would like to keep up with all things Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan will tell you where he can be found. You can find me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm available for you guys. And if you would like to keep up with our podcast, you can find us simply enough at Brew Speak Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Check us out on YouTube. We've been posting some of the videos of the, inter- of the interviews we've been doing. And uh, you can email us at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be a show sponsor, email us and we can figure that out as well. And our show sponsor this episode is The Bean Bastard. Head over to thebeanbastard.com, get you some delicious coffee. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at The Bean Bastard. And for The Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.